righteous shall flourish, right? We found out last Wednesday, there's another word that was given for 2017 that we need to grab a hold of. So once again, turn your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18. Glory to your name, Lord. Proverbs 29, 18 reads, Where there is no what? Vision. The people what? Perish. But he that keepeth the law. Amen. Let's go to God's word. God's word reads it this way. Without prophetic vision... People will what? Run wild. But blessed are those who follow God's teaching. Notice it says without prophetic vision. Amen. Proverbs 29, 18, the New Century Version reads it this way. Where there is no word from God, people are uncontrolled. But those who obey what they have been taught are happy. Amen. Glory to God. Now, y'all going to have to get that screen together because <laughs> y'all, you, you mess up the flow of the service if you're not in, in sync with what we're doing. The century version reads it again, where there is no word from God, people are uncontrolled, but those who obey what they have been taught are happy. Once we said, once again, we say that last Wednesday, you need a prophetic word from God. Let me say it again. You need a prophetic word word from God. Another translation reads, without a prophetic word from God, the people wander aimlessly. Amen? So you need a prophetic word of God that inspires you, that motivates you. Amen? Something that can hold fast to, hold, hold, hold you fast to what you believe in God for. Something that, that, that can create a vision on the inside of you. Come on, say amen, somebody. And that's what a prophetic word does. A, a prophetic work inspires you to keep on going. Come on, say amen, somebody. It motivates you that this thing is real. Come on, are, are y'all with me out here? It creates a vision on the inside of you. It gives you something to hold fast to for the entire year. Turn to Becca chapter 2, verse 2. So you need a prophetic word that inspires you. You need a prophetic word from God. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2. And it reads, and the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain upon tables that he may run that what? Read of it. Verse 3, for the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not what? Lie, though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come to pass. It will not what? Tarry. You need to make sure you have these prophecies that we've been talking about written down. And keep them in front of you. Has anybody done that? Amen. A couple of you did. Amen. So we got hearers of a word. And we got hearers and not doers of the word. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. Once again, you need to make sure these prophecies are written down. And keep them where? In front of you. Why? Because if you do this, I mean, this is on you, though. If you do this, it'll come past for you every year. But most people complain at the end of the year that, you know, they prophesied all this this year and it didn't happen. I'd go to your notebook and follow you every day. I'd find out you didn't read that prophecy every day. Amen. 
Matter of fact, you probably did it for the first two months, and the rest of the year you didn't pick it up again unless I said it over the pulpit. Amen? There a lot of times we want to blame God that it didn't come to pass, but you have a part to play. He said, write the vision and make it what? Plain. Amen? That you may what? Run that what? That what? That what? That readeth it. So that means you got to do what? Read it. Come on, write it down and keep it in front of you. And it will come to pass for you every year. See, God honors his word when you stand on his word. And most of the time, the Lord would give, you know, even, you know, we got this word from Jerry Savelle. And he got this word in November, said October, because of physical challenges he's having. And the Lord had led him this, this word for 2017 to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 3. Turn there. I can go over everything we went over last week. Should have been here. Deuteronomy 11, verse 3. Shoop anyway. <laughs> Deuteronomy 11, verse 3. Now, we know in this chapter, Moses reminded the children of Israel about all the great miracles God did for them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. We looked at verse 3 where it says, And his miracles and his acts which he did in the midst of Egypt unto Pharaoh the king of Egypt and to all his what? Land. And what he did unto the army of Egypt unto their horses and to their chariots and how he made water. He made the water of the Red Sea to flow over them as they pursued after you. And how the Lord has what? Destroyed them unto this day. And what he did unto you in the what wilderness until you came into this place. And what he did unto Dathan and Abaron and the sons of Eliab and the son of Reuben. How the earth opened up, opened her mouth and swallowed them up. And their household and their tents and all the, all the substance that was in their possessions in the midst of all Israel. He said, but your eyes have seen all the what? Great acts of the Lord which he did. So what's he doing? Once again, he's reminding them of all the great acts the Lord did for them in bringing them out of Egypt. Has God brought anybody out of Egypt in this room? Now, later down in verse 21, he tells them of the tremendous prosperity they will receive if they stay obedient to his word and that they will allow it to remain first place in their lives. If they were what? Allow it to remain first place in their lives. Amen. And we found out, we talked about it, there are three primary ways to make sure we're obedient to God's word and we keep it first place in our lives. Number one, we said we got to let our hearts be filled with God's word. Let our hearts be what? Filled with God's word. Number two, let our eyes be fixed on God's word. And number three, let our mouths speak God's word. That's how you what? You stay obedient to the word of God and you keep it first place in your life. Let your heart be filled with God's word. Let your eyes be fixed on God's word and let your mouth continuously speak God's word. So it says if you do this in verse 21, he says that your days may be what? Multiplied and the days of your what? Children in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give them as the days of heaven upon the earth. And we looked at the English Standard Version where it reads that your days and the days of your children may be multiplied in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give them as long as the heavens are above the earth. 
And the New Living Translation reads it this way, so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish. You and your children may what? Flourish. In the land, in the, land the Lord swore to give your what? Ancestors. That's the New Living Translation. It should have been on the screen because I gave it to him beforehand. Hallelujah. Amen. And see, there are two major promises here. Number one, it says your days may be extended or multiplied. Your days may be extended or what? Multiplied. Come on, that's for those who are battling sickness and disease. And that's something you should lay hold on because why? God promised to extend your days. And the second promise, he said, we see here is that you and your children will flourish. Are you with me out there? So this is a word that he received for 2017, which coincided with Kenneth Copeland's prophecy. And the word was 2017, the faithful shall flourish and it shall be like days of heaven on earth. Let me say it again. 2017, the faithful shall flourish and it shall be like days of heaven on earth. Somebody say, I received that. Come on, say, I received that right now. And, you know, I'm ministering this on the Wednesday crowd because why the Wednesday crowd are usually the faithful ones. I say usually. <laughs> usually the faithful ones. They're the ones that come Sunday and Wednesday. Not just Sunday and not just Wednesday. Come Sunday and Wednesday. Come on. They're the ones that are really hungry for the word of God and willing to press their way at any cost. Okay, I get a lot of amen. So this word is especially for you all that are faithful. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of y'all saying amen by faith. Because I know if you're here or not. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, Amen. But I agree with you in faith. We speak those things that be not as though they were. <laughs> now we know the word flourish means to strive, to increase, to enlarge, to grow, to be prosperous, to abound, to spread out, to expand, to make steady progress, to be at a high point in one's life. Once again, the word flourish means to strive, to increase, to enlarge, to grow, to be prosperous, to abound, to spread out, to expand, to make steady progress, to be at, be at a high point in one's life. Amen. And we talked about it. Now, what you need to do is you need to set goals that line up with the word that you receive from the Lord. And don't make any little plans. Make big plans for this year. Tell your neighbor, make no little plans. See, if you're flourishing-minded, you can't think small. Let me say it again. If you're flourishing-minded, you cannot think small. But you have to write them down because why? If you don't write them down, you're not really serious and they won't come to pass. 
Why? When you write them down, you're showing God that you truly believe it. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. And once again, I challenged you all last Wednesday to go home and pray. Go home and pray. Go home and pray and think big and write the vision and keep it in front of you. Turn to Psalms 92:12 again. Psalms 92:12, where it says the righteous shall what flourish like the what palm tree. We know about a palm tree, don't we? He shall grow like a what cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall what flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bring fruit in their what old age and they shall be fat and flourishing it's not food fat to show that the Lord is upright he is my what rock and there is no unrighteousness in him now we read that from the Amplified Translation and it reads the uncompromisingly righteous shall flourish like a what palm tree be long lived Long-lived, stately, upright, useful, and fruitful. They shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon, majestic, stable, durable, and incorruptible. Then verse 13 says, planted in the house of the Lord... They shall flourish in the courts of our God, growing in grace. Verse 14. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap, of spiritual vitality. And rich. Rich in the virtue of trust, love. And contentment. Verse 15, why? Because they are living memorials to show show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. He is my rock and there's no unrighteousness in him. Say, I'm a living memorial to the faithfulness of God. Come on, say it again. I am a living memorial to the faithfulness of God. Hallelujah. Then we looked at Adam Clark's commentary on verse 13, where it says, he talks about an Adam Clark's commentary. He says, as these trees flourish in their respective soils and climates, so shall the righteous in the ordinances of God. Let me say it again. As these trees flourish in their respective soils and climate, so shall the righteous in the ordinances of God. See, there are people who are not planted in the right soil. They're not planted in the right environment or climate, and that's the reason they are not flourishing. Oh, come on. Say amen, somebody. Because notice it says they are planted. That means your roots run deep, folks. And there are a lot of things. Listen, there are a lot of things that won't grow in certain soils. Like I stated last week, my wife and I, are not going anywhere because why? We were planted here. Come on, say we were planted here. And if we can get into, get into our people, 
to stay where you're planted, a whole lot more of them would be flourishing instead of always struggling. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. Proverbs eleven twenty eight. It says, he that trusted in the riches shall fall, but the righteous shall what? Do we have any righteous people in here? The righteous shall what? Flourish as a branch. Why? It's time to flourish, folks. Somebody say, it's time to flourish. Now, another word Jerry Savelle received December 31st while watching Kenneth Coleman preaching on Old Year's Night. He received it that night. This is the prophetic word that he received. He said, there is a level of prosperity that you have never known nor even have hoped for. He said, I'm empowering all those that dare to believe that it is available. And I will show them how to tap into it. And it will begin to manifest in their lives in this coming year, new year, saith the Lord. He said, I will take them to a higher level of prosperity and success which they didn't even think was possible. He said, for this is a time for my faithful ones to flourish and to strive and to excel in every area of their lives. He says, it will indeed be a year unlike any other you've ever known, for special and unusual and extraordinary blessings are being released right now and will continue to be released throughout 2017 and it will be glorious in your sight. He says, stay in faith, said the Lord, for these are the days that you have longed for. Determine that giving up is, not a, is unacceptable and don't even give it another thought. He goes on to say, for I'm honoring your patience. I'm honoring your steadfastness. I'm honoring your unwavering stand on my word. And remember, and remember I have declared that the faithful shall abound in my blessings. And the time has come for you to experience this in its fullness. He said, rest assured, I am faithful to bring this to pass. So rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Someone say, I'll take that. Now, there are four characteristics of faithfulness. Somebody say four characteristics of faithfulness. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. See, the definition of faithfulness is it is firmly adhering to duty. Firmly adhering to duty. That is loyalty to God. Let me say it again. Loyalty to God. Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 1. It says, therefore, thou shalt love the Lord thy God. And to what? Keep his charge and his statutes and his judgment and his commandments. How long? How long? Always. It says, keep his charges. How long? Keep his statutes. How long? Keep his judgments. How long? Keep his commandments. How long? Always. See, faithfulness is not measured over a two-week time period. Are you listening to me out here? Because people say, well, I tithe twice. Bless God, I'm a faithful tither. Because I tithe a whole two times. 
No, you're not. You're just getting started. How about being a lifetime tither? That's a faithful person. Go to Genesis 12, 1. Remember what Abraham and Sarah, remember, you remember Abraham and Sarah, right? Go to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And so the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land I will show thee. And I will make thee a what? Great nation. I will what? Bless thee and make thy name what? Great. And thou shalt be a what? Blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that cursed thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be what? Blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was a what? About 75 years old when he departed out of Haram. How old was Abraham? 75 years old. Now at this time, Sarah was barren. She couldn't have any children. Then you have chapter 14. Go to chapter 14, verse 22. In chapter 14, Abram rescues Lot and his family, and the king of Sodom offers Abram the spoils of the war. But Abram boldly says in verse 22, it says, And Abram said to the king of Sodom, I, I have lit up my hand unto the Lord, the most high God, the possessor of what? Heaven and earth. That I will not take what? From a tread even a shoe latchet. That I, may will not, that I will not take anything that that is thine, lest thou should say, I have made Abraham rich. In other words, the only one that's going to get the glory for making me rich is God. Amen. Not your job. Not your business. And certainly not your IQ or your degrees. Then right after that, because of that stand, in chapter 15, it says, verse 1, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, and saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy seeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord, what would thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heirs, but he shall come forth out of thy own bowels, shall be in that be thy what? Heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now towards heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he what? Believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for what? Righteousness. Now we know to seal this promise, God cut covenant with Abraham, right? Amen. Then in chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, bare him what? No children. And she had a handmaid who named an Egyptian whose name was what? Hagar. And Sarah said unto Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, going unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened. To the voice of Sarai. In other words, now she believed what God said was going to come to pass, but she didn't believe it was going to come through her. She believed that word came to Abraham was for him, but not for her. As a matter of fact, she felt it was God's fault that she was barren. She said, the Lord has restrained, the Lord has restrained me from bearing. Which didn't make sense, especially if God said your children are going to be like the stars of heaven. They got to come from somewhere. In order to get the stars, you got to have the first star. 
Hello. Glory to God. So she came up with the bright idea to help Abram and God accomplish this promise that God had made. And evidently, Abram and Sarah, they tried and tried to have children, but nothing was happening. Every month, no baby. No conception. So she says, Abraham, we tried and tried, so maybe I'm not the one that this promise is going to come through. How about having sex with my maid? There weren't no test two babies back in those days. <laughs> Hello. How about having sex with my maid and maybe she can start this thing off and get me the first star? <laughs> and Hammer said, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> with a big smirk on his face. That sounds like a good baby. You boy, you smart. <laughs> I'm glad I got a good woman like you. Come on. <laughs> In verse 3, and Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her hand, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. And he went, into un- he went in unto Hagar, and she what? Conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now, I don't believe she conceived the first time he went in. <laughs> and I can imagine the look on Sarah's face every time Abram went into Hagar's tent. Come on, ladies, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm pretty sure she was expressly looking at his facial expression. Going in and coming out. If he would have even had a little smirk on his face, it would have been over for him and Hagar. Come on, say amen, somebody. Then when Hagar finally conceived the baby that Sarah commanded her to have, now, Hagar gets kind of cocky. See, what it says here, her mistress was despised in her eyes. God's word translation reads it this way. He slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. And when Hagar realized that she was pregnant, she began to disrespect, be disrespectful to Sarai, her owner. She started looking down on Sarah. I have something you can't have. Why? She said, I, she said, I thought I had the child of promise that you thought was going to come to pass. But, she, but that child came through me. <laughs> Amen. Verse 5. And Sarah said unto Abram, my wrong be upon me. I guess so. <laughs> I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a, I, I, be, I wouldn't want to be in Abraham's shoes right now. <laughs> but Abraham said to Sarah, Behold, it's your maid. <laughs> thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleases you. He was smart. <laughs> 
And all the brothers say, <laughs> he was smart, baby. It's, hey, you're the only one for me, baby. You do whatever you want with her. <laughs> I got to go home with you. <laughs> do with her as it pleases thee. And when Sarah dealt what? Hardly with her. She fled. I mean, Sarah didn't play. Come on, say amen. All right. She had the green light. She said, okay. So in verse 15, drop down to verse 15. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abram called his name what? Which, was, which Hagar bare Ishmael. And Abram was what? Four score and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. How old was Abraham? 86 years old. After Ishmael was born, God didn't speak to Abraham for 13 years. 13 years. Why? Because that's what happens when you do things in the flesh. Come on, we don't see God speaking to Abram until Genesis 17.1. And when Abram was what? 90 years old and nine. <laughs> 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram. And said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thy perfect. This wasn't talking to him nicely. This was actually a rebuke. I'm the almighty God. Walk before me. And be thou what? Perfect. And I will make my covenant between thee and will multiply thee what? Exceedingly. Then he dropped down to verse 15. And God said unto Abraham, as for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yeah, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born unto him that is a hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is what, ninety years old, bear? And Abram said unto God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. And God said, Sarah, thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed. Boy, what did I just tell you? <laughs> and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant. Get that boy out your mind. And with his seed after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard thee. I'll bless him. I'll make him fruitful and multiply him exceedingly. Amen. Verse 21. But my covenant will establish with Isaac. Where Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. But now in Romans chapter 4, 17, Paul picks up on this story and says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him who he believed, even God who quickened the dead and calleth those things that be not. As though they were. Who against hope believed in hope. That he might become what? The father of many nations. According to that which was spoken. So shall thy what? Seed be. And being now weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead. When he was about what? A hundred years old. He's picking a story up where he left off in Genesis. Neither yet the deadness of who? Sarah's womb. You know, even he said, I'm 100 years old and Sarah 90. That's what Abraham said back then, right? Amen. See, what is Paul talking about? 
Paul is talking about that visitation in Genesis 17, 1. Where God, when God appeared unto Abraham, he had a visitation from God. And God said, I am the Lord God Almighty. Walk before me and be thou what? Perfect. When God said that to him, that changed Abraham's life forever. Forever, saying they forever. See, Romans chapter 4, we're not reading about Abraham at age 75. We're reading about age, Abraham at age 99. Some might say 99. So it says in Romans 4.20, he staggered not at the promise of God through what? Unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to who? God, being fully persuaded. That what? That what he had promised, he was what? Able also to perform. Listen, this is not a testimony of Abraham at age 75. This is the testimony of Abraham at age 99. From the moment God said, I am the almighty God. Walk before me, be thou perfect. He considered not his own body in verse 19 now dead. When he is about 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And you know the story. Sarah conceived, she gave birth to who? Isaac. Go to Genesis 22, 1. Then sometime later, Genesis 22, 1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And said to Abraham, he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou what? Love him. And get thee in the land of what? Moriah. And offer him therefore a what? burnt offering upon one of the mountains which I will tell thee of. Now we know from the time Abraham was first told by God that he was going to have a child and by the time he's, not, he's now taken Isaac to the altar to be offered, 25 years have passed. Somebody say 25 years. Then in verse 7, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. He said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire, the wood, I know how this goes, Dad. <laughs> Where is the lamb for a what? Burnt offering. And Abram said what? My son, God will provide him a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Isaac was a young man by now, folks. Are you listening to me out here? Then verse 9 and they came to the place where God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood. Abraham stretched forth his hand, took the knife to slay his son. It don't say nothing about Isaac. He said, hey, Dad, it's me up under here, you know. <laughs> now, he was laying there, fully willing to do whatever his dad told him to do. If he said, if God said it, Dad, go ahead and do it. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abram, Abram. And he said, here I am. And he said, lay not thy hand upon the land, neither do thou anything unto him. For now, listen to this now. For now, I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son thy only son from me. The New Century Version reads it this way. The angel said, don't kill your son or hurt him anyway. 
Now I can see that you trust God and that you have not kept your son, your only son, from me. The living Bible reads this way. Lay down the knife. Don't hurt the lad in any way. The angel said, for now I know that God is first in your life. And you have not withheld even your beloved son from me. He says, now I know. Let me say it again. Now I know. Notice this was not an overnight deal. Are you with me out here? Just because you've been faithful for three weeks... It's not likely that God's going to show up and say, now I know. (laughs) Okay, hallelujah. We're talking about years of faithfulness. And a lot of people never get there on a consistent basis. So we're talking about what? Honoring God for a lifetime. Somebody say lifetime. We're talking about honoring God and being loyal to him for a lifetime. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And a lot of people are not loyal to God for a lifetime. A lot of people are up and down. A lot of people are flaky when it comes to God. God's not first place in their lives. They'll drop God in a second and go do something else. But we're talking about the faithful. We're talking about the faithful, amen, that's going to flourish. Amen. Deuteronomy 6, 5 says, and thou shall what? Love the Lord thy God with what? Part of thy heart, all thy heart, and with all thy what? Soul, and with all thy what? Might. Look at Joshua 24, 14. Love the Lord thy God, what? All thy what? Heart with all thy what? Soul and all thy might. Joshua 24 verse 14 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him. And what? Sincerity. This means without hypocrisy and without false pretense. And in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And do what? And serve you. Put away that stuff you're worshiping that you're putting in front of me and serve God. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 46, if that's not enough for you. We're talking about characteristics of a faithful person. Luke 6, 46 says, Why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Oh, shit, back in now. Why call me what? Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. See, God is expecting loyalty out of us. From day one until we check out of here. Somebody say loyalty. And see, that's faithfulness. So as we read these criterias, the question remains, do you qualify for flourishing? The faithful shall 
flourish. People that are loyal to God. People that are what? Loyal to God. Now, the second characteristic of faithfulness is firmly, it's, it's firmly adhering to the truth. Talking about God's word. The second characteristic of faithfulness is firmly adhering to the truth. Turn to James chapter 1, verse 21. Firmly adhering to the truth. Talking about God's word. James chapter 1, verse 21. It says, wherefore lay a what? Apart all what? Filthiness and superiority of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the what? Then grant the word which is able to what? Save your soul. But be you what? But be you what? Doers of the word and not what? Hearers only, deceiving your own selves. See, that's adhering to the truth. Being a what? See, being a hearer only is, is referred to mental assent. Let me say it again. Being a hearer only is referred to as what? Mental assent. You agree that it's true. But you don't act on it. A lot of people do that. You agree it's true, but you don't act on it. People, you know, you counsel people and they say, I know that. I know. I know what the word says. <laughs> Duh. Because you know what it says. Are you doing what it says? If you know, I mean, you sit there trying to counsel me. Trying to, oh, I know that. I know that. I know that. I know that. Then why are you in here? <laughs> Why? Because all they have is mental assent. They agree that it's true, but they're not acting on it. Come on, say amen, somebody. He goes on to say in verse 25, but whosoever look up into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, he is not a what? Forget for here, but a doer of the what work. This man shall be what? Blessed in his deed. Who wants to be blessed in their deeds? Yeah. See, the doer is blessed in his deeds. Somebody say the doer. See, you get to a place in your life where in every circumstance you ask yourself, what does the word say about this? Oh, I'm preaching good in there. And you make the word of God final authority. Somebody say final authority. Somebody say final authority. The third characteristic of a faithful person or faithfulness is being constant and unwavering. Being constant and unwavering. Look at Hebrews 10.23. Being constant and unwavering. In Hebrews 10, 23, it says, let us what? Hold fast to what? The profession of our faith without what? Wavering. For he is what? Faithful that promise. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to what? Good works. Not forsaking. The assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. See, faithfulness simply means without wavering, never changing and never giving up. Amen. 
But notice it says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some. Because there's still people that forsake this area right here. And they just take the scripture and say, that doesn't mean anything. We're talking about being constant and unwavering. Being what? Constant and unwavering. Because he said, he said, as the man of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more. What does that mean? That means I should be going to church more, not less. There shouldn't be a day that I really miss. And I was telling the, the Pistol School Ministry, I said, me and Miss Walker, we didn't miss no church. And if there's some for unforeseen reason we miss church, we were so hungry for the word of God, we made sure we got the CD and we missed the church that day. Most people today, they'll miss service and won't even think about what was preached that Sunday. I, I, had, I got boxes of, I still got boxes of, of cassette tapes at home right now. Well, if I missed a service, I, 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 I appreciate the word so much, I made sure I'll be, what happened? What did, what did, what did, what did preach today? Oh, I got to get that CD. I got to get the CD. But people today, you miss church. And you won't even think about what was preached that day. And it probably was a word for you. But no. I'll just get you next Sunday. That's not being constant. And that's wavering. The faithful shall flourish. Oh, okay, all right. Getting quiet as Presbyterian Church now. The faithful show what? The faithful. We're talking about what is faithfulness. Faithfulness being constant and what? Unwavering. Being constant and what? Unwavering. See, if you fall into a trap of getting discouraged, because some of we do fall into traps. And we get to a point we give up. All you got to do is repent. Get back on track. Get back on the word of God. Are you listening to me out here? But you got to become unchanging. You got to become unwavering. Unwhat? Changing and unwhat? Wavering. Go back to Romans 4.20. Because we've seen after he had this major visitation from God talking about Abraham... It said he staggered not at the promise of God through what? Unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised is able also to what? Perform, because why? He kept that word going into his ears. I'm a father of multitudes of nations. He steamed the word that God gave him. He staggered not. And that's the same as being unwavering. We got to get to a place in our lives where we stop wavering. 
Come on, say amen. Go to James chapter 1, verse 6. James chapter 1, verse 6. Come on, the faithful show what? The faithful show what? Come on, I'm showing you what it takes to be faithful. What is faithfulness? Number one, being loyal to God. James chapter 1, verse 6. It says, but let him ask in what? Faith, nothing what? Nothing what? Wavering, for he that what? Wavers like a what? Waver the seed driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man even think that he shall what? Receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If you're constantly wavering back and forth, back and forth, one day you're up, the next day you're down. Come on, say amen, somebody. One day you're talking the word, and the next day you're wishing you had never heard of Pastor Walker. Come on. <laughs> That's wavering. Come on, if you're up and down, and you're not committed. Come on, say amen, somebody. You're not committed to the thing that you committed to. You're wavering. Let me say it again. You're not committed to the things that you committed to. That's called what? Wavering. And it says, let not that man even think that he shall what? Receive anything of the Lord because why? He's a double-minded man. He's unstable in all his ways. People that are not constant, somebody say constant, and people that waver never experience God's best. Let me say it again. People that are not constant and people that are wavering never experience God's best. Are you listening to me out here? You got to get to the place where you're consistent in what you're doing in things of God. I'm consistent in what I do. I'm consistent when it comes to prayer. I don't waver. Hallelujah. I don't waver. There's no up and down with me. I'm there every day. Monday through Friday, I'm at prayer. I don't waver. And I'm on time. I don't waver. Nobody has to force me to come to prayer. Nobody has to make me sign in to come to prayer. Because I'm constant. I'm consistent. I don't come because somebody makes me come. I'm coming because I want to be before God. And I understand the power of corporate prayer. But most people that come early in my prayer, they only come because they got to come because they're in laypersons. Or pistas. Other than that, you wouldn't even see them. How do I know? Let a holiday come. Let a Christmas break come. And they ain't got to be there at a Christmas break because there's no school. Or summertime. You don't see them anymore because they ain't got to sign in. 
He mama masiki no mama sakande boko shiki narabasha. Constant, unwavering, constant. Uh, we're talking about flourishing in 2017. There's some things you got to change. Putting God first. Putting God first. Putting God first. And why I'm on this. When it comes to prayer, even in early morning prayer, you know, I be see people bust off early. Now we're, we're stretching our hand towards the basket. Stand in agreement, everybody in the basket, but they're going out the door. Praying for all these things on the list, but they're going out the door. Then we even seal it with thanksgiving or praise, but they're going out the door. Or they're clicking off the telephone. I'll be watching y'all on the line sometime. <laughs> I know who's clicking off. And they ain't even here and they're clicking off. Ten minutes before prayer over. Consistency, folks. Consistency, folks. He says prayer and thanksgiving. He says prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's consistency. That means I pray and I make sure I pray all the way through and I give God thanks afterwards. But I'm there throughout the duration of the prayer. Do you hear me? That's why. That's unwavering. And that's being what? Constant. The faithful shall what? Flourish. Last one. Go to Proverbs 3.9. Oh, Lord, you didn't like them. I don't know if you're going to like this one either. <laughs> The fourth characteristic of faithfulness is they are constant or consistent sowers. They're consistent givers. Somebody say consistent. In other words, they honor God consistently. Not this when I get it. Not this when I hear a message that I can really relate to, then I'll reach for my wallet and my pocketbook. Then they don't do anything for the next six months. That's not consistency. Amen? Faithful people are consistent sowers. They look for opportunities to sow. They rejoice in opportunities to sow. They're always looking for an opportunity to sow. See, I'm always looking for an opportunity to sow, folks. When I'm in the grocery store, I'm looking for opportunities to sow. I'm looking for somebody to say, I don't have it. I'm right there behind them. 
I'm looking for a police officer when I'm in a restaurant to see if, he, if there's somebody with a uniform in that, in, a, in that restaurant and I'll go pay their bill. Why? Because I'm always looking for opportunities to do what? So, look at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. It says, honor the Lord with thy what? Substance with the what? First fruit of all thy what? Increase. And what happens? So shall thy what? Barns be what? Filled with plenty and thy what? Precious shall burst out with what? New wine. That's flourishing, folks. Faithful people are consistent sowers. They don't have to be prompted to do it. They don't have to be made to do it. Come on. They not only sow of their substance, but they sow of kindness. And they don't have to be tricked to do it. They're looking for opportunities all the time. And sometimes you can sow a pat on the back. You can sow an encouraging word. But you're always looking for opportunities to do what? So. Why? Because sometimes just a kind gesture, a kind word can win somebody to the Lord. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Thank you for this special audio. Thank you. The faithful shall flourish, folks. When people are not consistent in their giving. Luke 6.38 says, give and it shall be what? Give it unto you. How? Good measure. Pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. Shall what? That sounds like flourishing to me. Shall man give unto you what? Bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, there should be what? Measure to you again. Look at Proverbs 11.24. Proverbs 11.24. So there is that, what? Scatter of, and yet what? Yet what? Increase. He's talking about a consistent giver. And there is that, what's what? Well, holdeth more than is meat, but it what? It tended to what? Poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat. And he that water shall water also himself. Notice this man scatters seed. He doesn't just he doesn't just sow just once. He looks for opportunities to be a sower every day of his life. The New Living Translation reads it this way: Give freely and become more wealthy. See what I just said. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Then verse 25, the generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. The New Century Version reads it this way. Some people give much but get back even more. Others don't give what they should and end up poor. <laughs> this is the word of God. It says, whoever gives to others will get richer. 
But those who help others will themselves be helped. The message Bible reads it this way. The world of the generous. I'm in the world of the generous. The world of the generous gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. And those who help others are what? Help. You should be looking forward to sowing, folks. You shouldn't get upset because the Lord instructs you to bless somebody. Come on, say amen, somebody. You look forward for those opportunities. Because why? You know in your heart, I cannot outgive God. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. For he that sows to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the spirit shall of the spirit reap what? Life everlasting. Let us not be weary. And what? Well doing. Well, what is well doing? He's referring to sowing. For in due season, we shall what? Reap if we what? If we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are what? Who are of the household of faith. See, faithful people are loyal to God. Faithful people are loyal to the word of God. Faithful people are constant and unwavering. Faithful people are consistent sowers. Are you listening to me out here? And that's the people God is talking about that will flourish in 2017. That's not everybody. But it can be if you make a decision to change. Come on, say amen. Lift your hands to the Lord. Faithful people are loyal to God. Faithful people are loyal to the word of God. They put the word of God and God first place in their lives. They'll never miss a service and not get the word to find out what was preached that day. Come on, y'all. y'all some of y'all have been in this church for too long to be doing nonsense like that. Then you wonder what happened. Because the word that, was, that you're supposed to receive that day, you decided not to show up. You didn't even try to get seated to find out if that word was for you or not. Because the word's not first place in your life. God's not first place in your life. Because God's the one that's giving you the word. Oh, I'm preaching good in here. So number one, faithful people are loyal to God. Faithful people are loyal to the word of God. Faithful people are constant and unwavering. They're not wishy-washy. They're consistent in what they do. And faithful people are what? Consistent sowers. 
not making excuses why they didn't do this today. Or, or God, you know, I would want to really be a blessing to them, but... hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we give you glory. 